Hello and welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast about movies that we haven't seen yet. My name is Trent. I'm here with my wife, Betsy. I'm Betsy. And today, hey, guess what, Betsy? What, Trent? We're going to watch a Star War. A Star War? What's that? We're going to watch the one Star Wars movie we haven't actually seen. Yes. Now, of course, this is not in the the, the one of the trilogies. Nope. This is one of the side stories that came out. Prequel yeah. kind of spinoff thing. Yeah, side story. Yes. Gaiden, if you will. <laughs> uh, Solo. A Star Wars story. A Star Wars story, yes. Yes. Um. So, uh, I don't really know why... So this came out while we were together. Yes. And we kind of hemmed and hawed about it. Not really, because we, we saw Rogue One. We did. The first side story that came out. And we liked it. It was good. We've only ever seen it once all the way through. Yep. Uh, and then when Solo came out, it kind of came out to a lot of mixed reviews. Yeah. So my understanding and the way I kind of subscribe to this is the... The side stories that kind of have nothing to do with the main story, they just have an endpoint. So Rogue One really worked because it wasn't a fleshed out story. Mm-hmm. The the only thing that had to happen was at the end they completed their mission. Yeah. Everything else was irrelevant. Right. This was more of a concurrent yes. thing that kind of happened between a couple of the different movies in the main trilogy. Right. And it all kind of came full circle and connected everything once we got to the end. Right. Meanwhile, yeah. Solo is an origin story quote, if you will, right. for Han Solo. That is a lot. That is a lot to live up to. Yeah. And while you still have the freedom to play around with it, this is the kind of movie that tends to have a lot of winks and nods. Yeah. And that can sometimes work and sometimes it beats you over the head with it. Mm-hmm. And in Rogue One, there were a few of those moments. The one I remember was there's a reference to the dude that Luke and Obi-Wan meet up with at the at the the bar in the first movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's the guy who says, I have the death sentence on five systems or whatever the hell yeah, he says. Yeah, he's just some minor character. Right, and but he's a memorable character because it's from a Star War. Yes, it's from so, the Star War. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I like things like that where the fans are going to know and everybody else is just kind of going to brush it off because they're there to see the handsome dudes on screen. Right, exactly. Know? So when this movie came out, it definitely had mixed reviews. Yeah. I think it'll be fine. I don't think this movie's going to be amazing. If it is, right. I'm kind of setting my expectations low so they can be surpassed. Right. That's what I'm hoping for. But you know what? We like the people in this movie. Donald, yeah. Donald Glover yep. is a dude that I wish was in more things. So he's playing Lando Calrissian. He's playing Lando. We got Woody Harrelson as some dude. We got Amelia Clark as some chick that are apparently just their companions in their journey, whatever yep. they're doing. Tandy Newton. Yeah, yep, she's in it. Uh, we got Chewbacca. Yeah. Just being Chewbacca, I'm sure. And I'm blanking on his name, but the guy who's actually playing Han Solo, Yeah. I think it's well cast. Like, from his look. Sure. 
How he actually is in this movie, I don't know. No idea. <laughs> but he's got that young Harrison Ford vibe. Sure. And, with I, his look. and that's fine. If they were just looking for a dude who looks like him and can, and can maybe get his mannerisms down, yeah. fine. And we'll, and we'll see that when we watch the movie. Uh-huh. But the thing that I had a problem with before this movie came out, and I think this this intro is going to be a little longer than what we're used to because, <laughs> hey, we're Star Wars fans. We've referenced Star Wars in almost every single episode of this podcast. I'm surprised <laughs> it's can't taken. Help ourselves. I'm surprised it's taken this long for us to get to this. Because we've but, seen them all. <laughs> yeah, and we're probably never going to do another Star Wars episode until a brand new one comes out. Whenever that happens. Correct. So that all being said, Betsy and I have talked about this before. Star Wars works because it casts unknown actors. You didn't know who any of those actors were in 1977, except possibly Harrison Ford. He had the, he was a the minor only career. Yeah, he has had the only name except for Alec Guinness. Yes, that was there. He was there to give it gravitas. Yes. And, you know, okay, George Lucas knew what he was doing back then. Mm-hmm. He knew that Alec Guinness not only had, you know, gravitas for a lot of the other movies he's been in but he can span the globe he's a he's from the uk yes all of the other people here are u.s based actors and a lot of the people in the movie in the star wars universe have like british accents for some Mm -hmm. reason like a lot of the the um the imperial guys have british accents they're vaguely evil because they're vaguely british exactly exactly (laughs) that and i think that the unknown actors thing is how that universe works Yes. I, I'm not distracted by, ooh, here's this movie star. Or here, I, I, I know this person from this other thing. Well, and same thing with Rogue One, where it's vaguely unknown. Like, they're mm-hmm. all people you've probably seen in something, but very they're not minor, household names. Yeah, very minor things uh, that they've been in before and since, yes. to be honest. Meanwhile, Meanwhile Solo... Solo Woody Harrelson yeah. is very, very known. Donald Glover was already Donald known at Glover this point. pretty known. Amelia Clark had been in right smack in the middle of yep. Game of Thrones. Middle of Game of Thrones. Tandy Newton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is before or after. I think it's a little before West Westworld, World. but she was pretty known. Yeah, and, and yeah, and, and I she was in um, uh, uh, the Mission Impossible too. That was the only yeah. other thing I knew her from. Yep. Um, Rock and Rolla. Yeah, even rock and roll. <laughs> that Guy Pierce movie that everybody wants to forget about. Uh, it's not that bad. It's not bad, but it's, it's grown on me. It's, it's nowhere near the quality of his previous work. No. So. So yeah, this movie is going to be a very different change of pace because of that. Yeah. And I wonder if you're right that it's distracting to have yeah. Woody Harrelson in this movie. As far as like what happens, beats me. Yeah. Fuck There's all. Like I, I have no idea what happens here. I mean, I assume Young it's it's going to explain the origin story between who really owns the Millennium Falcon, who really was Chewie's friend. Yeah. Um, like all of the, the references that Han and Lando had yep. in the second movie, they're probably going to touch on to some degree. But, you know, Lando was was kind of a nothing character into in in in. Uh, Empire and Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how they flesh him out. Yeah. So yeah, let's uh let's uh, get going here and go watch Solo a Star Wars story.
we're back. Betsy, we watched a Star War. We did it! It's the last one. For now. Until the next one. (laughs) Until the next one. So, Solo. Yes. A Star Wars story. That's what this is. What'd you think? I kind of didn't like this one. I can see why people maybe didn't like it. It was not without its moments, but I feel like they got so caught up in the winks and the nods and trying to tie them in that they... They didn't develop the story and the characters as much as they could have. They wanted it to be a casual tale of, hey, this is how Han Solo meets Chewbacca. This is how yeah. he meets Lando and all it's this like other stuff. It's like 14 origin stories. They want it to be this casual thing that has, nothing, that has no connection to anything else, but at the same time connected to everything else. Yes. Yes. You can't have that both ways, guys. Right. And they spent so much time doing that that the it was rest just of the story all over the place. I didn't care. Yeah, I was kind not bored, yeah. but I was not invested. No. I did not care about these characters. You know, somebody blows himself on up on a bridge, I'm like, eh. Yeah. These people are bad guys. Eh. Uh-huh. He's you know, Paul Bettany showed up. Eh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love Paul Bettany. And I was just Eh. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, he's in this? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of tie-ins to several other movies in the Star Wars series. Mm-hmm. Including things that we haven't seen, but we'll get to that. Right. Um, but overall, I didn't hate it. Uh, there were yeah. a couple of things that I cheered at. There was a couple of really, really great moments mm-hmm. uh, and sequences. But overall, yeah, I, I'm kind of glad we skipped this one at the time. Yeah. If we'd seen this in the theater, I don't know if it would have improved. I the would experience. have been shaking my head, walking out. Oh, like, I wouldn't have walked what out. Do we do? No, <laughs> I mean, I mean it at the end. Okay, you yeah. just sat through it, but yeah, it's like man, man, really. And you know what? We've kind of ta- mentioned this a, l- a couple of times off air, but this uh, this movie had some production problems. Yes namely their director. Right, so Ron Howard ultimately directed this movie. He has the directing credit and the only directing credit. Mm-hmm. Even though a lot of this movie was already directed and filmed by the time Ron Howard came on. He did redo a lot of it. Sure. He spent a lot of time... Reshoots. Reshooting. Yeah, I, I get that. But Which kind of bothers me because I thought this didn't look great at times like it was dark and hard to see what was happening for me yeah like why is everyone in shadow there's a shitload of light over there just turn them a little bit yeah <laughs> it was just moments like that that I was like why was this so hard to make yeah why it's a fucking star wars movie this should be a piece of yeah, cake everything should be- you know who you should have grabbed he was already there fucking john favreau look right. what he did with the mandalorian right Imagine if you had given this to John Favreau. Mm-hmm. Well, and and the Mandalorian is a much much smaller scope. Yes. Like it's one dude and his adventures. It isn't like ships and going all over the place and. But it's focused, and every episode's yes. a little different. They yes. could have just picked a theme for this movie, like they did with the Mandalorian. I mean, you could have had. Run with it. You could have had like a young Indiana Jones type of a show. Yeah. You could have made. Han Solo, the, the TV adventures show. of. Yeah, you could have done that. Mm-hmm. And probably gotten these people, these probably. actors. But no, you had to have the entire thing. You had to tie it in with... Um, what they ended up tying it in with was the Clone Wars show. Okay. Which we'll get to that. But, you know, I just... 
I wanted to like it. I wanted to, to, to really get something out of it. Aside from a few moments where I was, you know, happy and cheering mm-hmm. at what I was witnessing, it was mainly just the spectacle of it that I liked. Yeah. I think a lot of the, like, the chase sequences of them in the Millennium Falcon uh, were great. Right. And everything, at, like, on screen when they're acting was just kind of flat. Yeah. Okay. Things I liked. Okay. Donald Glover. Yeah. Donald Glover was doing justice yes. to that character. Yes. He, he's talking lower in his register, and he's like this suave motherfucker. <laughs> he was pulling it off. Lando is a suave motherfucker. L3, the feminist liberation <laughs> droid. <laughs> yes. She was my favorite thing in this whole movie. And she had to die. And she had to die. Um... That's about it. <laughs> I'll probably think of more, but those are the two things that I enjoyed okay. about this movie. Okay. The um, escape away from that that planet where... From Kessel? Elf, for, yeah, from Kessel. The esca- when they make the Kessel from, run. Yes, when they, when they escape from Kessel, that whole sequence of them running away, and when they meet up with this fucking Star Destroyer yes. in, the, in the Maelstrom... Like, holy shit, what, why is this big-ass ship in here? Yep. And so, and then, of course, this is where Han Solo gets his his uh, bragging rights. I made the Kessel run in 15 bucks. 12 parts. 12 parts. And then, he, like, I like that he says, if you round down if you round to Chewie. Yeah, Chewie is saying, this, yeah, more like almost 13. He's like, no, not if you round down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was a cool shot. Yeah, that whole sequence, I think, was really cool because... It gets you in other parts of the ship, like Woody Harrelson is down in the in the cannon position, which there's in only the, one cannon yep. position. It, like this, this Millennium Falcon is very different than what we see in the later movies. It, it has, gets modified yes, a lot, aged and modified. Exactly. So he's down there, and there's only a, a single cannon mm-hmm. uh, on the bottom of the ship. There's not one on the top of the ship, like there are in in later movies. That gets tore off yep uh during that whole sequence uh what i mentioned you didn't even uh notice it at the time when we were watching the front of the falcon the nose the nose of it is just a single point Mm -hmm. in later versions it's a forked yeah i hadn't really noticed that and then you said yeah it's forked i was like oh yeah it is supposed to be forked." right right (laughs) yeah so and and that actually happens when they do the crash landing on that planet Mm-hmm. And because they have no landing gear. Yes. And how they uh, broke their landing gear off was a cool, uh, a cool sequence too. Mm-hmm. They basically, and he's Han Solo is basically drifting everywhere. He's drifting in that speeder at the very beginning of the movie. He's drifting in the Falcon and kicking up debris to yep. have the the Tie Fighter uh, get taken out. But yeah, the the the, the sequences of the, in the ships were the best part of the movie, mm-hmm. I think, like action-wise. But um, they also had a reference to the, ch- the they were playing the chess game. Yep. Uh, the holographic uh, chess game and Chewie getting upset that he was losing. Mm-hmm. Let the Wookiee win. That's right. Well, he's learning the game. <laughs> yes. He's 190 years old, but he's never played this game. Right. Give him a break. Right. He gets some time to practice. Yes. Uh, there was a reference to something that you had never heard of before. Yes. And the only reason I know this is because there's a video game reference. I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. Uh, Terrace Kasi. Okay. Is like their martial arts of 
the Star Wars universe. Okay. So Kira, when like they're on the slave planet, the mm-hmm. the, the the mining planet, uh, she takes out one of the dudes who's guiding her to this room. She takes him out in this, you know, fancy way. Yeah. And the robot asks, "How did how did you do that?" And she says, "Terras Kasi. I learned from this person." There's a video game called Star Wars. It's Terras Kasi. It's a fighting game. It's literally called Terras Kasi. Yes. I've never heard of this game. Yeah. It's a, it was from the PlayStation. Like it was an old it was game? it was like bad. Okay. From the original Does PlayStation. Does this exist anywhere else in the universe? It's probably in the extended universe books. Okay. Like Terras Kasi is their version of martial arts. Mm-hmm. I think I think Okay. I, I, I've never played the game. I'm just... You've never read the extended books? No. Some of them are supposed to be actually pretty good, I've heard. Right, right. Yeah, if you're into that kind of thing, if you really want to expand the universe. So, again, they, they've made some connections here and there, but some of them are just references. Some of them are, are kind of cheap. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember, in the original movies, the dice... When we recently rewatched the first one, they're always there. They never really point them out. So yeah. Han does have dice hanging yeah. on the dash in the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. But there's never any attention drawn to them. Yeah. No one cares. It wasn't until Last Jedi right. that I knew it was even a thing. Right, because Luke is on the ship, like goes onto the ship for the first time when the, when Ray is visiting him, trying mm-hmm. to get him to come out. He finds the dice and then brings them to the planet where Leia is and gives them to Leia. Yeah. Fake, fake gives it to her. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't remember the dice being a thing in the original trilogy. No, and I, I thought about that too because when we saw Last Jedi, um, I I couldn't remember what those were. I didn't understand yeah. the significance. Right. But we watched the first Star Wars a few months ago and yeah. I was looking for it. Right. And, and then, yeah, they're right yeah, there. Yeah, they're right there and it's probably just one of these like production design things that yeah. one guy was on set and put them in the, I mean it was the 70s guys. You're right. going to have fuzzy dice on your on your dash. They're cool. <laughs> they're gold dice yeah. with like engravings on them. Right. I get it. They're cool, but yeah, I did not know it was well, a yeah, relevant I feel like it was detail. some production designer put it in the first movie and then of course you got to put them in the rest of the movies. Right. So now with the prequel, it's like the first thing you see. You hear right. a bunch of gunshots mm-hmm. and yelling and you see a, a faceless man throw these dice on Steal a mirror. Steal a speeder and put, yeah. the, put the dice on the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's that whole thing seemed a little forced. This whole movie is forced, Trent. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But I never really understood the significance of those mm-hmm. until we watched uh, Last Jedi. Yep. And then they were brought up and then we looked back and saying, oh, I guess there are some dice there. Fine. Yeah. Let's, let's give significance to this nothing thing. minor detail yeah yeah and there were a bunch of things like that so like they go to this planet to steal the whatever the hell it was called the, the macguffin <laughs> the macguffin and woody harrelson is wearing this outfit that yeah. i immediately the disguise this is the disguise that lando wears mm-hmm. at the beginning of jedi when right. they rescue luke from jabba the hut when they rescue or sorry when they rescue han yeah excuse me but he he shows up wearing it to rescue Luke because Luke's about to like walk a plank or something. <laughs> right. right. That's why I thought about Luke. Right. Anyway. But yes, I recognize that immediately. Sure. Uh, the fucking blaster. 
Yep. Like they show yep. how he gets the, the blaster, pistol. the yeah. pistol. Uh, and Woody Harrelson's like this cowboy type who spins guns and looks right. like a badass. Right. Like you should have just gone full Western with this. Yeah. Han Solo's but a instead, cowboy. Like, instead, this ended up being a heist movie. Yeah. They did two different heists. I don't care about heists. I want you to be a cowboy. Yeah. Like cowboys can have heists, but yeah. do it better. Right. <laughs> um, and even just the origins of his name. Mm-hmm. I have no family. And the guy's right. like, hmm, uh, You're by Han yourself. How about Solo? Solo. That was so fucking cheap. That Come was, on. Yeah. I don't like that one bit. It was like beating me over the head with it. Like, look how we're coming up with these things, which is really infuriating because this was fucking written by the guy who wrote Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Kasdan. I was like, wait, I know that name. And it's like him and his son wrote this movie together. It's like, really? It's like fan fiction. It's like fan fiction. Yes. It's Mm -hmm. like if you and I wrote a really bad Star Wars movie. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not going to say the thing, oh, I could could write a better Star Wars movie. I could not. No, I will tell you that. But I... But again, you're... The Star Wars fandom is so goddamn fervent about this entire thing. Yeah. I I can't imagine what people thought who are like super duper uber fans, what they thought about this movie and how it just seemed like people wanted to be in a Star Wars movie. They wanted to make a Star Wars movie. So they got to make it. They got to be in it. Yeah. They got all these popular actors from the time. And the only one that they cast that was unknown was the lead character, which was fine. But again, there was so many different references. You said it yourself. John Favreau has a voice role in this. Mm-hmm. Why was he there? Why because was he, he cast? Because he loves Star Wars. And that's fine. But he doesn't need to have a voice in it. No, I before I even saw his face, I was like, is that Favreau? Right. <laughs> and that's not... It, there was no face. It was an animated character. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just... I just... Mm. And then there was a lot of, like... Pulling at your heartstrings. So, like, different moments. There was, like, the first time Han sees the Millennium Falcon, the Star Wars theme uh-huh. that you know and love uh-huh. plays. Right. Da, 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 da. And then the first time Chewie sits in the co-pilot seat. Yeah. The really significant moments. They're like, we're going to beat you to death with this song. Right. Because it's significant and important and you care. It's like, Uh except by doing that, I don't care. Like, you could have pulled back. There's moments they could have pulled back and there's moments they could have pushed more. Just let it live on its own and let let the audience have their their own reactions. You don't need to reinforce it with music. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think... hmm, I was... I, as evidenced by my reaction right now, I was frustrated by this movie. I wanted it to be more. I wanted it to I think be that's better. A good, I think that's a good descriptor of it. I'm frustrated by its lack of care. Yeah. Like, you could have made a great origin story for Han Solo. Correct. Without any of the references. Well, maybe some. You don't have to play the fucking theme and beat me over the head with it, though. Yeah, yeah. That's my point. So one last thing here that I wanted to reference that I is just a, a, a nice little moment. <laughs> it's a funny moment when Han is uh, escaping from like the port, the airport at the very beginning. Yes. The spaceport. Uh, th- there's a screen in the background playing a video saying, join the empire. Mm-hmm. Shoot some bad guys. Be a hero. Be a hero. That was great. Right. Yeah. 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 
Because this is the early days of the Empire. Yeah. The rebellion doesn't like, exist yet. And the, the planet that they're on, the, 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 the things that they're doing, they're building Star Destroyers. You okay. can see them in, in, up, up in the atmosphere. They're oh, floating up there. That. They're being manufactured there. I didn't see that. Yeah. Okay. That's where he is. Like, he's pretty much working for the Empire without working for the Empire. He's a grunt. Yeah. So Han is on this planet. We don't know how he got there, if this is just where he was lived his whole life. I imagine he probably lived there his whole life. Because uh, everybody seems to know him. Yeah, and he's trying to get off this planet. With his girlfriend. With his girlfriend, who is Amelia Clark. Yeah. And he gets off the planet, but she does not because he joins the Empire. Is that canon or is that added in this movie? I have no idea. Because I feel like I would have remembered that he had been a part of the it was never Imperial mentioned. Army. It was never mentioned. No. But the more I think about it, the more it, may, it does make sense. Because think about it. The Empire basically is taking over everything. Mm -hmm. They are the fascist overtake overseers of the entire galaxy at least that's what they're striving to be yeah and they're taking over by force all of these planets all of these systems and in essentially enslaving people without them being enslaved but without them actually being slaves like they're, the they're governing telling you body they are taking over the quote-unquote companies that are in charge of the manufacturing process they take over the the weapons manufacturers they take over the ship manufacturing they say just make weapons for the empire just make ships for the empire there's nothing else matters yeah evil well, capitalism you'll, yeah you'll continue to uh live your lives and yep. ha have a happy life whatever that is but you have to serve the empire don't try to leave yeah no no we can't have that. That's the very definition of fascism mm -hmm. is when the quote unquote government takes over the corporations that have them serve the interest of the governing of the governing party. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I would have to maybe go back after I do this to see them up at the uh, under construction. Yes. Star Destroyers. There's only one. That. Yeah. There's only one scene. But as, as the camera pans up, you can see the outline of the Star Destroyer that is like okay. in the middle of being manufactured. Huh. And put, put together, basically. Interesting. Yeah. No, I missed that all together. But yeah, so he joins, and he wants to be a pilot, but he gets kicked out because he's got a mouse. <laughs> right, and then we join up with him three years later, and he's yep. on some planet in the middle of, of, of a, of a, a battle. Of mud. Well, it's a battle. Yeah. We don't know where or why. No. They're in some kind of battle trying yeah. to take over this planet that but, doesn't want to be taken over. Right, but he, he meets up with Beckett and his crew. Yep. Uh, and Beckett is... Not a part of the military. No, but he's got a uniform because he stole it. Right, he stole it off a dead guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and he re and and Han realizes, hey, you're not with you're you're not on the up and up here. But neither am I. So guess what? I want to go with you. Yeah, they just are there to get supplies. Yeah, but Beckett is not really feeling it, so he turns him in, and the uh, the uh, soldiers throw him in with the the beast. The beast. And this is, of course, where we meet Chewie. Yeah, again, a very, I understand it is a, like, underground cavern. They're covered in mud, but it was so dark. It was so dark and hard to see what was going on. But you know what was going on. I know, but it's like. Yeah. I know it's chewy. Of course it's chewy. You see this dude you, coming out covered yeah. in mud. Yeah, you have to have this moment of them meeting each other. Which, by the way, this is not the first canonical 
uh, appearance of Chewbacca. Chewbacca His... shows up in the Clone Wars. Oh yeah, remember with uh, he when Yoda's I seen the Clone Yoda, Wars. You, not not that not that. Um, is it Episode Two or? Th- no, it's, it's, it's episode three. Episode Yoda three. goes to the home world of the Wookiees. That's right, he and does. And Chewbacca is there, and he helps That's, out Yoda. But the Wookiees are kind of disbanded and yeah. scattered across yeah. the universe. Right, because the the, they, the the Separatists or whatever the fuck they're called, they're attacking the, the Wookiee home world, and the clones came in, come in and, and help out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Anyway, not the first time that Chewbacca has that has arrived in the timeline, mm-hmm. but the first time that Han and Chewie meet. Right, and he he technically could be in every single one because he's very old. Right, <laughs> <laughs> they just they held back. They had a little restraint and didn't put him in until the third one. <laughs> so Han has this great idea. They get him out, and Han convinces Chewie. Okay. I have these friends over here. They've got a ship. They're going to get us out of here. Mm-hmm. And they have this funny moment where they are, are they're going to leave, but they didn't leave, but whatever. And then they have a shower together. And then they have a shower. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny little moment. Yeah. You couldn't, we couldn't do this one at a time. Like that's the kind of humor, like that's who Han Solo is as a character. Yeah. He's a snarky little bastard. Yeah. And there wasn't enough moments like that yeah. where he's just like, really? Like you can <laughs> you can wait, dude. You're gonna be my new best friend, and you couldn't just wait. Right. <laughs> so yeah, they join up with with Tandy Newton and with Woody Harrelson and John Favreau's little alien character. Yeah. And they're gonna rob a train. Mm-hmm. Because again, like a good western, that's what you do, you rob a train. Yeah. Stagecoach. Stagecoach style. Yeah. Yeah. And this can be done successfully, and I just didn't care. I was bored. It, it went on way too long, It too. went on way too long. Tandy Newton's like, fuck it, I'm going to blow myself up. And then she did, and yeah. it's just like, uh, I don't really care. Right, you were here for five minutes. Yeah. I'm not invested in you as a character. No. And and apparently neither was Woody Harrelson. No, he's it's supposed like, to be all butthurt in love with her, but... <laughs> nope. No. Yeah, he has a moment... Yeah, he, of course, he can't even bury her because she, nope. she's nothing left. But mm-hmm. he makes a little memorial. He's on his knees for about two minutes and then they leave. Yeah. Yep. So then they have to go to the crime boss and report to the crime boss that we don't have your booty. We failed spectacularly. Yeah. See, it was like, what was the whole point of this sequence other than to set up the next sequence? So right. we went on way too long with this really amazing train sequence that wasn't really amazing. Mm-hmm. They are about to get away. They drop the payload. It explodes. Right. So they have to go pay the piper. Which, by the way, I think is another character thing with Han Solo. There's a reference to Han dropping his cargo at the yeah. site of Imperial people. He's been known to do He's that. He's been known to do that in the past, which is, I Isn't guess, Isn't that now... what got him in trouble with Jabba? Yeah. Because at the first sign of an Imperial destroyer, he just, like, ditched it. He ditched his his uh, smuggled items. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's another more subtle, mm-hmm. more subtle reference, but uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. So they go to the Crimson Dawn because we have information that you didn't have Han Solo. And it's like, we weren't doing this for ourselves. We yeah. were doing it for them. Because we owe them money. Because and... we owe them uh, money. I have a job to do. Yeah. 
And of course, the head of the Crimson Dawn is Paul Bettany, who I definitely forgot was in this movie. I had no idea. I when he was in the trailers and stuff, like I remember I when don't this remember came watching out. Watching trailers for this movie. It was quite a few years ago, and they showed all the best stuff in the trailer. Let's be honest. Thankfully, I don't remember that. Uh, but yeah, and he's just again vaguely menacing. Yeah. Like, am I supposed to like him? Am mm-hmm. I supposed to not like him? Yeah. He's all. He's got a messed up face, mm-hmm. which apparently was added in post. He didn't know about it until they did it later. Yeah, because otherwise he's not very menacing at all. Yeah, he would have just been Paul Bettany. Right. How is Paul Bettany not more famous? He's pretty famous. He's semi-famous. I feel like he's not a household name, though. He's been a priest in like 15 movies. He wasn't a priest in this. So, (laughs) okay. One day we're going to watch Priest. It's going to be fun. (laughs) No. (laughs) But yeah, so he's like the new bad guy and he tells them you have to make it, you know, like, or they say, we'll make it up to you. How specific? Give me specifics. Yeah, right. And they hatch this plan to basically get the same stuff, uh-huh. but unrefined. Yeah. They were delivering refined. some refined stuff. Fuel. It was fuel. In the very beginning of the of the movie, before they, they did the intro, they had some text on screen. And one piece of text po- was pointed out to me that says, hyperfuel. 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 Drink hyperfuel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jump Maybe. faster. Run higher. <laughs> and yes, I realize I have those backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just call it hyperfuel. So, yes, they have to go to a planet. He hatches this big scheme. We're going to go to a mining planet to get it unrefined. Yeah. But then you have to have a really fast ship. Yeah. She's fast enough for you, Mm -hmm. old man. Yep. To get it off of the planet to another planet Mm -hmm. where there are no Imperial people. Which, where it can be refined. And it can be refined. But let's go back a little bit here. Before they even meet up with Paul Bettany, Han meets up with Kira who is apparently enslaved to yeah. Paul Bettany's character. So she she never she got off the planet but she didn't get out of the service right, of Right, right. Yes. So she's there for some reason. She works there? She, um, it's she, she dresses sexy she, and makes sure people are taken care of. Yeah, she is uh, his top lieutenant, he says. Whatever that means. Right. It seemed very too easy. Mm-hmm. to uh, just have her there and oh now she's a part of the crew now right and she's we don't have to go back to the planet to get her she's already here here you go yeah and she's not like with him but she's with him and she's branded like he's, yeah she's got his brand on her wrist so she's very much a prisoner but it's again that thing where you're working for the empire so you just sort of have to roll with it right but they also keep talking the whole movie about how she's done all these bad things. Right. And we never find out what she did. No, and we and we never will. No. They didn't. I mean, they left it open-ended. She didn't die. I thought half of this movie was like, she going to die? That's the kind of motivation you do for, for developing it seems like It seems like she is very, very deep in, and we have no idea how deep in she is. Too deep. Yeah. She's too deep in to get out. Yeah. So... She joins the crew. They go off to get this unrefined stuff. They free a bunch of slaves. But before they get there, they got to get the ship. 
Oh, that's right. So okay, that's okay. where we get Lando Calrissian. Right. right. And they have the card game. Because, mm-hmm. of course, the story goes that Han got the Millennium Falcon from Lando mm-hmm. in a card game. Yep. So you assume, the way they set this up, that that's what's going to happen here. Is Han's going to win the Millennium Falcon. But, mm-hmm. of course, that's not the case. It's not that easy. Lando's a big, fat cheater. Yeah. <laughs> and he completely fucks him over and Kira knows this is all going to happen and she just lets Han be Han and he loses spectacularly. (laughs) Which that was a great scene. Any any scene with Lando on screen is great. Yes, like I said, he was probably one of the best things about this movie. Mm -hmm. He was very charming. I like his little... uh... He was doing a little uh, video diary, video uh, yeah. biography, autobiography Writing thing. Writing his, his stories His down. journal. Yeah. <laughs> to publish later. Yeah. That was pretty good. But yes, uh, Han loses, but then he still needs a ship. They meet up with uh, yeah. K- with uh, Kira later on. She just marches and up said, and says, I need a ship. Yeah, hey, I need a ship. Like, okay, how about you give me this much percent? And... He's a businessman. He's just going to take his cut and go home. Mm-hmm. But it's not that easy. Nope. And that's where we meet his co-pilot, yeah. L3, who right. is voiced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. She was good. Like I said, she was funny. She's just yeah. being herself, basically, but yeah. a droid. Right. Star Wars needs more levity. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. She's just like, I'm going to fly this ship, and you might all be in love with me, but it would never work. You're not my type. <laughs> and free the robots! Right. <laughs> Yeah. Droid freedom. Droid freedom. <laughs> when and whether when they're on the the slave ship, she's like going around and taking off everybody's restrictor bolts. And... Yeah. I found my life's calling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like she was great. I liked when she was there. But of course, she had to die. Of course. Because that's what happens. That's what happens in these movies, Trent. Okay. Yeah. And then they take her parts. And she fuses with the Millennium Falcon. So she is actually a permanent part of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. So all the little bips and bops and noises that we hear later. That's all her. Are all her. That's all her. Yeah. So there you go. But they get there. There's some more winks and nods to Star Wars. They find some Wookiees. Chewie frees them. Mm -hmm. They get the payload. They get on the ship. They get away. Hooray! End of movie. <laughs> Alas, no, there was still quite a bit left. Yes. So they do their their whole little escape sequence, like we like we mentioned. Mm-hmm. They had they had a Tie Fighter a chase, which again the music in that was great. The the them going through all them referencing uh, going kind of vertical, like like sideways, having yep. the ship go sideways through a, a very tight crevice. They like to do that. Very much a reference to other parts of Star Wars, I guess. Before we get too far ahead, I forgot to make mention of one other person who showed up. Okay. Clint Howard is in this movie. (gasps) Of course he's in this movie. (laughs) Because Ron Howard is incapable of making a movie without shoving his brother in it. If you've seen a Ron Howard movie, I promise you, you have seen Clint Howard. Yep. And you know who we're talking about. If you're not sure, go look up Clint Howard. You know that man's face. You know that man's face. Yeah. Anyway. A face only a brother could love. Right. (laughs) 
but yeah, so they get away. They finally get to this planet where they're going to get it refined. And here's where the movie starts to go off the rails for me. Okay. Like, way off. Okay. So there's all these native people there who are, I guess, still there for some reason, running this refinery, even though nothing is coming through. I guess. And we meet up with uh, the the raiders who were trying to jack them mm-hmm. when they were trying to, to rob the train. They show up. Yep. And I don't really know why. Like, is this like the, the beginnings of the rebellion or yes. something? Yes. So they were on the planet where Lando was. So when they met up with Lando, they tracked the ship. Yeah. They put a tracker so on the ship. They followed them. Not to the first destination, yeah. but they went to the refinery. Because once right. they kind of... Because by following them, they can figure out what they're doing. Sure. So they went to the planet, and they are going to take all this hyperfuel. Yeah. But they basically... The, the girl, like, takes off her helmet and explains, like, the Crimson Dawn is bad. Mm-hmm. And instead of fighting each other, why don't we fight them? Yeah. Join us. And she literally says after, you know, they, they manage to get this shit and they give it over to her in a little while. Yeah. Do you know what this is? This is basically the spark that's going to fuel the rebellion. Right. And she she says the word rebellion. Yeah. We're not just trying to do this to get money. No. You guys are just trying to get it to, to get money and sell it to whoever. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Yeah. We are trying I to, need take, to survive. take down the Empire and right. Crimson Dawn and all of those groups. Right. So, yeah, she kind of just out of nowhere is like, I'm not a bad guy. Yeah. And here's why. Right. They could have done that. By the end of it, I understood it, especially after the reveal with uh, with Kira. Mm-hmm. So I understand all of that. But they could have done it much, much better to really hammer home. Like, maybe they could have thrown in somebody that we know from the movies, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But these people, I have no idea who they are. They did throw in one person we knew, Warwick Davis. Yeah. <laughs> He's just, again, sort of there. Yeah. But if you're if you're uh, not familiar, he was in Jedi. He's the little Ewok. Yeah, he's the Ewok. What's his name? I don't remember. Damn it. The little Ewok that makes friends with Princess Leia at the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Yeah. That's Warwick Davis, and he's also in this movie. So, you know, 30, 40 years apart. Yub-nub. Yub-nub, Trent. But yeah, so he kind of get, Han gets convinced by these people that maybe he doesn't want to give the fuel to Crimson Dawn. Yeah, these, that he this does guy's an asshole. He, I don't want to help him. Because Han's give a good guy. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, ultimately Han is a good guy. Yeah. But Woody Harrelson's character, Beckett, is like, no, man, I'm out. I'm not into that. I'm going to leave. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. So he fucks off. And he, before he fucks off, he tells him, yeah, I'm going to go to Tatooine. Look me up on Tatooine. There's a guy there, a boss. Put, putting together a crew a cartel. for a job. It's Jabba. It's Jabba. It's Jabba. Come on, guys. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of little, like, just that. Like, yeah. this is where I'm going next. Oh, we know where that is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're going to steal all the stuff. He goes off. They're trying to give Paul Bettany's character, like, I don't know anybody's fucking names. I know it's a Star Wars movie and they're complicated names. It's like Voss. Something, something Voss. Something Voss, yeah. But they say it like 12 times and I just didn't care. So he's like, oh, well, my accomplice tipped me off that you're trying to rob me. And of course, it's Beckett. Yeah. Because Woody Harrelson's character is there has to be a, out for a, himself, There has basically. to be a betrayal. Yeah. So we find out, yeah, Beckett is there to... Because he doesn't want to die. 
Yeah. He knows he's going to get hunted down. So, so why not just uh, join up and, and stay joined up with this, uh, with Paul Bettany. Mm-hmm. So, and just do a heel turn and say, I'm in it for myself and that's it. But then we realize because apparently there is a line open to what's happening over on the planet that these rebels, let's just call them rebels. Cause they're, they're, they're like baby rebels. Yeah, they're yeah. about to be rebels. Right. The rebels are ambushed by by Paul Bettany's people, but not really because apparently they it was a costume yeah. swap. Yeah. So the little islanders, the little people on this planet, right. put on the uh, the rebel outfits. Right. And then they get ambushed themselves, and they find out oh the the hyper fuel isn't there. It's actually here. That's that stuff real was deal. real. And yeah, it's a big switcheroo. Yeah. It's a it's a double direction. It's a double switcheroo. Which you know it was it was a cool thing, so um, so they have their little fight after 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 Beckett leaves with Chewie. Yeah, so Han is left with Voss and Kira, and Kira looks like she's about to kill Han because she's so deep in it, right? That she's got to when in fact she turns around and immediately kills Voss. Yep, and that was an okay sequence. You know, he had these like cool knives with like lasers on tiny them. lightsaber knives tiny lightsaber knives <laughs> and i mean he's like having this little moment but uh-huh. it it was like was it too much or was it not enough i kind of felt like it was not enough like the that sequence the that action sequence yeah yeah these people are not action stars betsy i guess but you know yeah try <laughs> yeah yeah i i get it so he dead han leaves She's like, oh, I'm right behind you. Bullshit. She's calling up the reinforcements. Which, by the way, they mentioned that, yeah, the, Paul Bettany is not the tip top of the Crimson whatever. Crimson Dawn. Yeah. And there's somebody above him. Yeah. Which we, I guess we find out is Darth Maul. Yeah, they don't give you an exact timeline of when these events are happening. But based on ages, it makes sense that that works out. That could be Darth Maul pre-Phantom Menace. No, it's not. But it's not? It's not. Apparently, Darth Maul survived Phantom Menace. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. How? Because he is in the Clone Wars. That doesn't make any sense. It he got cut in half and he, he fell did. down a hole. He did. But apparently, he survived. I looked that up before we sat down here. I don't that believe you. That is Darth Maul. I believe it's Darth Maul, but I don't believe it could be after Phantom Menace. It is. How? I I don't know. It uh, is. I don't like it either. <laughs> it's also Ray Park. Yeah. It's a, it's the guy it who is plays him. Darth Maul. But I don't believe 20 you. 20 years later. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm just going to refuse this information. It totally is. I don't like it either. <laughs> I've never canon. seen I've <laughs> never seen any of the cartoon Star Wars things. I wish there was an easy way to find it. We watched this on Disney Plus. There's some Clone Wars stuff here, but I don't know how to, how to, like, what order should I watch this in? Is this the good stuff or is this the not so good stuff? I don't have a clue. Listen, I should just learn to let it go. Having seen the rise of Skywalker, they're just like, ah, fuck it. We're throwing all the rules of life and death out the window. You're not wrong. (laughs) You're not wrong. But Um, yeah, I'm just going to pretend you didn't tell me that about Darth Maul. It'll make me feel better about this movie. (laughs) Sure. It's Darth Maul's cousin. (laughs) Darth um, Millie. (laughs) No, Betsy, it's Darth Paul. Darth Paul. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, Darth Paul. <laughs> That's Darth Paul's doll. Yep. 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 All right. Anyway, so, so she after flies that, off. So she fucks off she's after, got report rep- to after reporting to them. And Han Solo and Beckett have a showdown. And guess what, Betsy? Han shot first. Han shot first. <laughs> and we don't see it. We never see any of this shit. Yeah. It's just gunfire, but you don't see who shoots. And there's like yelling off screen, but it's Han, but you don't actually see Han do it. Why do we not see Han do anything in this movie? <laughs> because this movie was a mess. It's a mess. Dude. But anyway, he's dead. The rebels are going to start the rebellion. Hooray. With all of this hyperfuel. Yep. Lando already ran off in the Millennium Falcon. So yep. Han goes and chases him down. Somehow finds him. And beats him at his own game. Beats him in his own game because he sees that he's really, really likes that ship. Yeah, he realizes. <laughs> it. Well, and that was another one of those moments. This is just how they greet each other. They sort of swear at each other and yell at each other and yeah. then pull in, pull in for a hug. Right. This one had a, an intent behind it because yep. he took his card. Right. <laughs> he saw he was cheating. And they did show it on screen. I didn't see it the first time. Yeah. At the first game, but I did see it this time. That he had a little thing in there. Yep, under yeah. his sleeve. Yeah, he had literally, literally had cards up his sleeve. Yep. So yeah, Han wins because he takes away his his uh, ability to cheat. Yep. He gets the Millennium Falcon. He and Chewie fly off into the double sunset. <laughs> <laughs> well, Quite literally, because they're going to Tatooine. They are going to Tatooine <laughs> to meet up with Jabba's crew. And that's where it goes from there. Yep. Because that's how all the movies end. You're way too happy about this ending, Betsy. <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they tried to make it a little bit too tidy at the very end. I, I, and and the, the wink and nod to the people who are watching the Clone Wars stuff, who know about Darth Maul and all that shit, you know, it's fine for those people, but how about you explain it for the rest of us? Yeah, I... Sometime we're going to have to watch Clone Wars. But I don't want to watch Clone Wars. It's I don't a want whole, to either. It's a whole lot of extra stuff that they keep now tying into the main stuff. And it's confusing for those of us who have not invested all that time and energy. Which I I heard this about. There is a character in Mandalorian season two played by Rosario Dawson, who is a character from the Clone Wars. She's one of the alien ladies. At least that one I recognize from the look. Like, we haven't watched The Mandalorian Season 2, but again... we've seen Season 1. You can't escape the internet spoilers, so I don't have any context to why she's there. Right. But I recognize her appearance from the Her makeup and her getup, yeah. 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 So, so, so solo. So solo. (laughs) I just, it just was all over the place. It was all over the place. It could have been better. I, you know, I would like to blame the director ships. Yeah. Having three directors doesn't help a project stay on task. Yeah. That makes it a real difficult situation. They're just trying to get it done. It causes delays and reshoots, things like that. And ultimately they have to put out the movie. The movie's coming out. Yeah. yeah. You can't just shelve Solo. Yeah. This movie is being released whatever form it's in. Right. Yeah. 
I don't think this will ever get a sequel. They kind of leave it open-ended to suggest that right. you, you could maybe pick up like on Kira's storyline. I would that. rather go see her movie. Like, go make a movie about her yeah. with Darth Maul and all the extra shit that I don't know anything about. Because Orlando. I have, I have no expectations there. Yeah, Orlando. Yes. Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, overall, I think, I, I wish... I wish they could have really stuck it all together better. There were some good parts. There wasn't anything that was like bad, bad. No. It was just kind of okay. It was just corny. So like when they're going to do the Kessel run and he's like, I've got a pretty good feeling about this. And I, yeah, I just looked over oh. at you and say, Oh, come on. Yeah. Hmm. That. No. No. Bad Star you don't Wars people. Get, you don't get Bad. to do that. You, you, you don't get to do that. All right. Betsy, is that going to be about it here? I think so, because we touched on all the things. There's just not a lot of meat on these bones. And when there was, it was, you know, few and far between. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm not mad about the fact that we watched it. Yeah. I'm okay with the fact we waited. I don't think time was doing this any favors that didn't improve over time. I don't think we're going to spend a lot of time rewatching it. I might just... Maybe we'll just, revisit it. I, I might, what I might do is just look up the references because I'm sure I missed a bunch. Find the Easter eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Because there were a lot in Rogue One. I suppose. That, that I went... I, we haven't really gone back and rewatched the entirety of Rogue One, but I've read some things and I probably saw more of it at the time, at, at my first viewing, than you did. So Yeah, I'd rather rewatch Rogue One. Yeah, I agree. All right, Betsy, shall we read an email? Why don't we do that to change the topic altogether? Let's change the topic to a different kind of a fandom. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Ready Player One again. Let's do it, Trent. Betsy, uh, we got an email from Rick. Okay. And boy, what an email it is. <laughs> All right. Buckle up, kids. So we reached out to see who has read the books, who has seen the movie, and what are the, the, the feelings about the people who have seen both, experienced both? And what can you tell me about the lore that maybe we didn't uh, really glean from the movie? Yeah, if you listen to our podcast, we were left with a lot of questions because right. we know this movie has a reputation for being divisive. Yeah. So we want to know from someone who has opinions. Yeah. So Rick has some opinions. Rick has some opinions. <laughs> All right. Um, so this is going to be long, so we're going to start at the beginning here. Uh, just listened to your Ready Player One episode, and I thought I'd take you up on your request for more info. I have read the novel and seen the movie, though I haven't seen it since the theaters. I would be glad to fill you in on some questions that you had. You were wondering why the movie was considered so divisive. There are a few main reasons for this. I would say the readers of the novel break down into three camps. People who liked the book and liked the movie. People that liked the book but not the movie. And people who didn't like either. <laughs> <laughs> so there's nobody out there that liked the movie but disliked the book. Okay. Which, in by, by most estimates, that's probably true about most movie and we, book We talked about it before. It's, it's rare that people will find a movie... To be better than the book. You damn book readers. 
You literate Never. fools. Yeah. <laughs> We're here doing this podcast about movies, goddammit. <laughs> I only have two and a half hours a day to do this shit. <laughs> Rick continues. For the first group, it was a movie that took the best ideas from the book and translated them to a different medium as best they could. Imagery like the stacks translated well to the screen, which were the, the places where they were living. Yep. And the stark differentiation between rural and virtual worlds was aided by the instant visual references between real actor and digital facsimiles. It also helps when you have Steven Spielberg behind the camera. Like I said. Correct. Yeah. Dude is, is a visionary at the very least. Uh, for the people who are disappointed with the adaptation, a lot of it has to do with the major changes made to the challenges in the film. In the novel, there are actually six challenges. Three to get the keys, three to get their corresponding locks. We only saw the challenges for the three keys. Right. And then the locks were just pre presented to them at the very end. I think you would only get all of that if you made this into a TV series. Yeah. Because then you'd have time for all of that. You don't have yeah. time. This was a long movie to begin with sure. without doing three more challenges. Totally. Uh, the challenges were all completely different in the movie, with the, ex uh, with the exception of needing to get the Easter egg in Adventure at the end. But that is also the only challenge that had any thematic meaning. Uh, in the novel, instead of a race, the characters had to find a hidden cave and beat a lich at Gauntlet, which is a video game, uh, then go through a virtual recreation of the movie War Games, where they had to say every one of Matthew Broderick's lines perfectly with only three mistakes allowed. That's, okay. That's a lot. That's fucking nuts. I could do it, Trent. I could do it. <laughs> I've never seen War Games. I know about War Games, and that's fucking stupid. That's a lot for one challenge, too. Yeah. One day we'll watch war games, and then it'll all make sense. Nope. <laughs> the movie also changes when the main characters meet in real life, changes some deaths, and adds in the idea of a resistance fighting against a monolithic corporation trying to charge more money, more money for video games. Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, finally, there are the haters, who dislike both. Uh, these people find the book to be complete trash with poor writing, terrible pacing, and unlikable characters. These people think it is bad when the book has two Japanese characters that model themselves after samurai and talk about committing seppuku for their dishonor. Which is where they fall on their sword. Yes, I know for those, it is. I know you know. <laughs> uh... They don't like the character planning a jailbreak, needing to improvise, then having no troubles at all from their brilliant plan being moved forward for two, uh, moved forward two days. They don't like a story about how great it is to be an eccentric trillionaire in a world that is dying from climate change because the guy was a genius who deserved all the money and screw all those poor people because they don't uh, because I don't see them spending money to fix the problem, so why should I? Ballad. Yeah. That's valid. I have the same thought about even just this movie. Yep. Like, yeah, dude. You are you have all the money in the world, and all you're doing is letting people just fuck around in your game? Come mm -hmm. on. Come on. Have some... Have you're, a little compassion for your fellow man. Shut it off every so often, for God's sakes. Mm -hmm. We said that. Like, what the yeah. fuck are you doing? And then they said at the end of the movie, they turn it off on Tuesdays. Just Tuesdays? Right. Come on. <laughs> uh, we continue. 
There's also a small faction of people that were rightfully upset that Warner Brothers spent more money marketing the fact that Iron Giant was in the movie than they did marketing the movie The Iron Giant. Mm-hmm. He also has an aside. As an aside, these people would also point out that The Iron Giant is about a robot who doesn't want to fight. And in Ready Player One, they use the robot as a kick-ass ultimate fighter. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. The Iron Giant's a beautiful movie. It really is. I never I never saw it until probably four or five years ago when yep. you and I watched it. It was, I said, it was really good. I said, you need to watch this movie. Uh, Rick continues. Personally, I think the novel is one of the most infuriatingly bad things I've ever read, and the movie is the best possible adaptation for it. I'm more upset at the movie for having Steven Spielberg willing to give it a competent ab- adaptation because a novel of similar quality, but for women instead of men, parentheses Twilight, was allowed to be a trashy film from a journeyman director. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a sec. So yeah, twi- basically his statement here is the Twilight books... And Ready Player One are both trash in his are opinion. Are both trash. The quality of writing, the quality mm-hmm. of storytelling are on the same plane. But one gets mm-hmm. to be made into Ready Player One by fucking Steven Spielberg. Right, and Ready Player One is basically written for, for boys, for dudes. Yep. And Twilight is a trash romance. A tween girl. Tween uh-huh. vampire love uh-huh. story. Uh-huh. And who directed those? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So no. yeah, if you are on the exact even playing field, but mm-hmm. you, listen, there's probably a world that exists that you could make Twilight bearable. You know, they probably will eventually. Probably. Give it another 20 years. Yeah. We'll, we'll see Twilight the series, Sparkly Vampires Return. God damn it. <laughs> it will never leave you, Trent. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, I, I, I take his point here. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. You got Spielberg to make this trash thing because it was going to be a trash fire if it was directed by anybody else. Yeah. 100%. All right. Let's finish this up here. Uh, for more of my thoughts on Ready Player One, the novel, check out 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back, a podcast that broke down chapter by chapter all of the terrible writing of the book from one of the creators of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Interesting. Very cool. Uh, I apologize for the novel I just wrote you, but you asked for, um, uh, for my opinions, so I'm going to give you my opinions. From your not super fan, just regular type, Rick. <laughs> Thank you, Rick. Thank you, Rick. Yes, we appreciate hearing an opposite opinion because those are valid points. Totally. Yes, if you are... we This is a world we live in, that there are hyper-rich human beings... That could solve a lot of the world's problems by themselves, and they don't. They choose not to. They go to space. They go to space, and they make flamethrowers, and they treat their workers poorly. Yeah. So I get that totally. Yeah. That puts a very different light on things. Yeah. But as a movie, it was okay. Yeah. But Betsy, that's going to be it for us. That's it. If That's you want to if you want to be like Rick and tell us a diatribe about a movie that we covered or any other movie, I don't care. Ask us a question. If you want to tell us your uh, long-held beliefs about fried green t- tomatoes? Have you ever seen fried green tomatoes? I think like half of it maybe. Half of it maybe. Yeah. 
uh, if you have like 15 more Easter eggs from Solo that we missed because they were actually subtle instead of hitting me in the face with it. If you want to like recast one of these movies with yeah, other recast, characters. How do we make Solo better? Okay, you can't recast Donald Glover. No, he has to stay. That's the he only He has role. to stay. <laughs> and I think that's it. You can recast the yes, rest of it. Yes, anyone else can. Yes. Yep. Who else would be Han Solo, Betsy? Don't worry about it. Let's leave that to the listeners. Oh, damn it. But yes, if you want to help us with any of these things, email us. NeverSeenItPod at gmail.com is the email address. You can follow us on Twitter. NeverSeenIt underscore pod on the Twitter machine. Mm-hmm. And if you wish, you can support this nonsense. <laughs> whatever this is. By sending us some money, by clicking the link in the podcast description, and you can send us a buck, you can send us five bucks or ten bucks, whatever kind of bucks you want to send. No deer. Thank you. I like deer meat. I've had deer meat forever. <laughs> Let's go get some deer meat. Uh, right now? Yes. Okay, right now. That's we're going to wrap it's this up. It's the end of the episode. We're, gonna we're go done. Some... We're going to be back to you next time with Never Seen It. I'm Trent. I'm still Betsy. And we'll be back to you soon. Bye.